This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hey everybody, welcome to Civilized Barking. It's summer vacation edition. Zach Jackson here. Uh, flying solo for a minute, going to bring in Jets beat writer from The Athletic, Zach Rosenblatt, here to end the show. Uh, so we're going to talk all things summer. We're going to talk where the Browns are going. Um, we're going to talk Hall of Fame game with Zach. We're going to talk Elijah Moore with Zach. Browns and Jets both being hyped. Um, guys, this AFC is loaded. You know, I think the Browns, obviously, after punting on last year and taking on all the drama and then having all the drama and finishing in fourth place, you know, I think they feel good about their offseason. I think they should. I think um, they've addressed some things. They've spent aggressively. Spending is not this team's issue. <laughs> Eventually paying the piper might be, right, with, with the salary cap. But um, one of the things that's run on the athletic in this slow time summer break, which I'm going to talk more about, is, you know, your team's biggest move. And to me, it was a pretty easy answer, Jim Schwartz, right? So uh, I don't think there's a Darius Smith without Jim Schwartz saying, let's go get it. You know, I, I think there still would have been help at defensive tackle, quite obviously, because last year it was the worst group in the league and the run defense was so bad. You know, we all lived it. But I think this team is saying, okay, organically um, and with tinkering and with Elijah Moore, Deshaun Watson's going to be better. Nick Chubb's a sure thing. There's been millions invested into this offensive line. Uh, we get Jim Schwartz. We've we've got to cut down on, on the meltdowns. We've got to maximize the talent we have at the front and the back. And um, we got guys who can play this attacking style, get upfield, and we'll see. So, again, it's not a perfect roster. We know that. There's no such thing as a perfect roster. It is a good one. It shouldn't be a fourth-place one. This is a big year for a lot of people. <clears throat> and... Um, Deshaun Watson is the one who holds all the power. Deshaun Watson is arguably the one who has to be the best. I think, you know, there is a possibility where the Browns have a good year where Deshaun is just good. You know, ultimately for this contract and all that came with it to pay off, they have to win big and he has to be great. But based on what we saw last year, I think Kevin Stefanski and all involved would start with good. I think in minicamp, um, not charting passes or getting too excited about it. You saw a different body language from Deshaun than we saw last year. Then we saw even in the late May practices. So um, I think with Elijah Moore, with Marquise Goodwin, with Cedric Tillman, with Jordan Akins, um, and, you know, frankly with Amari Cooper, who who wasn't healthy at the end of last year, David Njoku, who's a very unique player. Um, there's optimism for this offense. And with Zadarius Smith and Dalvin Tomlinson, and Miles Garrett, um, this this should be a good defense. So we'll see. Uh, I feel like the ceiling is high. I feel like I won't be surprised if the Browns click. If the Browns are combustible and they're selfish and they're bad and it becomes a typical Browns season with infighting and finger-pointing and maturity issues, um, I won't be surprised either. We'll see. It's summer vacation, so it is like June 28th. I was trying to guess what day it was, and I just looked on my screen. I saw it. I wouldn't have guessed that. But anyway, um, my formal vacation is coming up. The Browns have been on their formal vacation. Uh, the players since minicamp ended on the 8th. The coaches and execs shortly after. They will start to trickle back in after the holiday, the coaches uh, and execs. The players, um, rookies, quarterbacks, and select injured guys report on July 19th. The full team flies to the Greenbrier on July 22nd, and, and training camp opens then. Um, it's Kevin Stefanski's Hail Mary. It's his way of forcing these guys to be together. Um, it's not just that. You know, they think they can get good work done. 
They think team bonding can happen organically in addition to being forced, but it's an attention span thing. Um, training camp's already long, and it gets longer for the players, even though it's not as physically taxing with the new rules, but it's just hard to keep guys' attention. Um, it's not a real camp anymore. It's not two-a-days anymore. It's not nine straight days of practices anymore. So they, they want to keep guys physically and mentally fresh, obviously have them engaged and have more buy-in than they've had. And all of those things are understandable. And um, we don't know what's going to happen, good, bad, or in the middle. I don't think, given truth serum, that Kevin Stefanski would run from the fact that his job is on the line this year, that a lot of people's jobs are or should be on the line. And just even if you don't think changes are coming, just look at the salary cap chart for this offense and look at the outrageously high cap numbers that a lot of players have for next year, and it's it's not tenable. So even if you redo Deshaun's again, and even if someone else stays or someone else goes by some unforeseen circumstance right now, injury or retirement, something like that. Um, the Browns have big decisions. The Browns have to win to validate what they've done. When they made the Deshaun trade, they said we're good. And then they went out and finished in fourth place. And it, again, there's a ton of reasons when went into that. Um, we'll see. So for the rest of this summer, you know, last year, the day after July 4th, I think is when they traded Baker Mayfield. I don't expect a big move uh, like that. That was a unique circumstance in its own right. You know, as I've said all along, the Browns are going to window shop DeAndre Hopkins. If he remains available, um, it becomes more likely that they take him. They were never going to sign him in late May or early June. I don't believe they're going to sign him in late June. He's made a couple of visits. It would appear the money's not right. That's not a surprise to me. That's not a surprise to the Browns, right? So, um, you know, if DeAndre Hopkins makes a decision to go to New England, the Browns won't see him. You know, we'll see. Is that a, That's another AFC team that, you know, people will be mildly surprised if they make the playoffs. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, you know, maybe his best move is to wait till August and an injury. You hate it. It's inevitable. And he gets his money then. Um, the Browns just don't have. The Browns do have $15 million plus in cap space. Um, they do have some flexibility. And, and they do have ways to create more. Mainly that cap space is for the rollover. It's for a rainy day and, and a chance to trade for another player or add a player if necessary because of the importance of this season and because of what they've already done. But it's mainly for the rollover um, to to next year and then into the future years. <clears throat> um the guys in charge obviously think this roster's good. The guys in charge obviously think the season's going to be good, and they'll continue to build upon how that goes, and we'll see. So, um, you know, outside of minor moves made on July 18th to 22nd to make sure you have guys healthy and everybody <clears throat> reported to camp and available and, you know, all of that stuff, um, I can see them shopping at defensive tackle still. You know, you never have enough pass rushers under Jim Schwartz, and that's a good thing. Teams would die for the cornerback depth that the Browns have. Um, you know, would the Browns like to add more defensive linemen? Yes. Do they need to? I don't know. Um, they have sniffed around running back and tight end through the spring, through various avenues, and they haven't found anyone that they like. So we'll see how that goes. Um, do they really think that Demetric Felton or John Kelly is going to be on the team? I don't know that. Um, we'll see, and some of that is, is to be determined. So, you know, they could dive in, but again, like I said, the roster's not done. 
But short of a defensive tackle signing or someone that needs to just fill a practice need because someone you know, potentially would not be available, um, I, I think the roster is done in terms of major moves, and we'll see. And um, they'll get to they'll go through the standard acclimation days, I believe it's called, at the Greenbrier, where the practices are short. There's no pads. You can do certain things. Then at the last four days of the Greenbrier, they'll be able to have longer practices. There'll be some contact. You know, traditionally, Stefanski has held very limited periods of actual full tackling. There will be padded practices. But he kind of circles the trip to Philly is where the guys really get after it for about a day and a half in a controlled environment. And other than that, you know, they're installing, they're tinkering. Um, I think Watson will play in the preseason. I think most of the guys will play sporadically in the preseason. I don't think Miles Garrett, Zadarius Smith, Nick Chubb, or Joel Batonio or Amari Cooper will play in the preseason, and that's just fine. That's smart football. People sometimes want to argue about that. I get it. Um, you got to have your dudes, so we'll see. But uh, in the Hall of Fame game in Canton, you know, I think it'll be mostly rookies. It'll be twos um, and threes, you know, guys looking to compete. In the spring, we didn't see much from from those guys. We saw, you know, passing camp sessions, three or four, seven-on-seven seven competitive. Um, and, you know, when you get into camp, that's when we'll start to see what are they doing with the depth chart, who's a guy that's, you know, practice squad last year or undrafted rookie this year who might have a chance it's just stuff you don't see until the pads come on and and jim schwartz has said we're not going to know a lot about our defense until we start playing with full physicality and full speed so uh in the spirit of that hall of fame game of the hyped afc of everything um we're going to go in a minute to my friend zach rosenblatt who covers the jets for the athletic we're going to talk about the jets talk about elijah moore why he was available talk about garrett wilson um, talk about Aaron Rodgers and the hype. And then, of course, you know, Browns-Jets games. So, again, I don't know exactly when you're listening to this. Um, and my formal vacation is coming. So there will be stories on the site. There will be another pod, at least one more, you know, before we go to Greenbrier. That's when everything will ramp up. But um, this is the quiet time. Um, there's a story that I did on Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who is a super interesting, smart, fascinating guy even. Um you know, the Browns think he's a keeper. They would love to have a cheap backup for Deshaun Watson. They would love to have a guy they think they can develop and see what it becomes of him. Can you trade him? Does he have to play somewhere down the road? We'll see. But all that's there. Um, so thank you guys for listening, for reading. And um, I'm going to enjoy this downtime, so I hope you guys do too. And it'll be full blitz, full Jim Schwartz attack mode on July 22nd. But until then, um, it's full vacation mode. I'm going to stuff myself with public subs. And um, other toxins, and uh, we'll see if I'm able to get myself down to, to uh, Greenbrier on July 22nd. I'll be there. Uh, anyway, here's my conversation with Zach Rosenblatt, and we always appreciate you guys listening to Civilized Barking. All right, as promised, we go to the East Coast. We bring in my compadre, Zach Rosenblatt, who covers the Jets. Um, we'll see him twice this year. Hell, maybe three times. Zach, what do you think the chances are of that? Of the Jets and Browns seeing each other three times. Yeah. I mean, why not? I mean, yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. yeah let's go with that. <laughs> um, do the Jets have any idea the buzz saw they're walking into in Canton on August 3rd? <laughs> oh, man. They, I don't even think they want to even play in that game, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, no one does. Yeah. So just, um, you know, to, to get to a little bit of honesty, 
you know, this is a big preseason for the Browns, and obviously the Browns and Jets have similar schedules because of it, the extended whatever. I don't expect the Browns to play anybody, um, you know, in their original 22 or even 30 in that game. Would you expect that to be the case for the Jets as well? Yeah, and so the, the main thing I'm I'm curious about what the Jets do in the preseason, including the Hall of Fame game, is how much they play Zach Wilson. And so, you know, it, it's an opportunity for them to get him out there early and see how he's looking and then, you know, adjust accordingly and all that stuff. So that, that's the main thing I have my eye on. But, yeah, I don't I can't imagine there's going to be very many notable Jets playing in that game, I would say. But, you know, I don't know. You know, this is the first time I'm experiencing right. this this extra game. I'm I'm selfishly more annoyed by the earlier training camp start, as I'm sure you are. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. Now, the Browns are going away. Um, they limited their offseason. I think the Jets did the same, right? They shut down the mandatory minicamp. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's two similar teams, right? Um, and and I think what you're dealing with is is hype that we've seen here in 2019 specifically. I want to say in 2021, although the year before the Browns had made the AFC's Final Four, and then you get that far, you know it's real. So, do you think this is a Jets team that is prepared um, and can handle all of this attention that's coming, both because of Aaron Rodgers and and you know some other young guys that they have on this team? It's a really you know from afar, it really is. A good looking roster. Uh, you know, that's I mean, that that's the question of the day. And and I, I don't think we'll know until we get there because you know, this is a pretty young team outside of Aaron Rodgers, and they they have the, the the target on their back now, even though they haven't accomplished anything. Um, you know, I think they have six primetime games if you include the Black Friday game. They're probably gonna be on hard knocks. Uh they're gonna be on the back page of you know the New York Post and New York Daily News pretty much every day once the once we get into the full swing of things and you know, that's the attention that comes Aaron Rodgers. But, you know, I think, you know, Rodgers is used to the attention and he's done a good job of, you know, being a captain of the ship so far. Uh, you know, how do they handle it if they lose a bad game on national TV, like where they blow it at the end or something, which, you know, is inevitable. Um, how they respond to that is going to be kind of how we see how they handle all the extra attention. But it, it's 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 early and it's hard to say right now. But, yeah, you know, this is a, this is a team that, you know, I think, kind of interestingly is is talking about itself like it's a Super Bowl contender like that you know and I get it they brought a they got a quarterback in they thought they had a great defense last year uh and they were a quarterback away uh but you know I, I don't know if t- talking this early is the best idea it's just it obviously it's just words it doesn't ultimately matter that much but sure. you know here hearing the coach say things like we're one of the you know six to eight teams that can win a Super Bowl like I you don't usually hear coaches make statements like that and from Salah's perspective I yeah, I don't know. You kind of get it. If they if they don't make the playoffs and they and they have a bad year, then he's probably gone anyway. So you might as well just be bold, I guess. <laughs> right, um, right. But yeah, but I, the, I, I, the the players kind of following suit has been interesting to me because usually you know guys are just trying to toe the company line. I think a lot of that comes from Rogers, who's been pretty open about how he he's not coming here to just make the playoffs or anything like that. But yeah, um, I would say, uh, you know, considering the history of this Jets organization, uh, you're kind of always waiting for your other shoe to drop. I'm sure you have that too with the Browns. <laughs> Uh, So I I think getting ahead of themselves is not the best idea, I would say, especially because they have a hard stretch to start the season. Right. Um, You know, one thing I feel like I say all the time and we say all the time in this hot take era and the social media era is two things can be true at once or the truth is in the middle. Right. Um, To hear the Jets have six primetime games, that's staggering. But when you consider Aaron Rodgers, it's not. So is is that kind of a a both can be true type of statement from from where you sit? Think about it like this. So last season was the first year I covered the Jets. Um, before that, I covered the Giants and Eagles, who had a bunch of primetime games every year because the NFC East. But uh, right. 
Um, last year, I believe I added it up. I can't remember if the number is 100% accurate, but I believe last year they had 14 1 p.m. games uh, <laughs> and they had one primetime game, which was a late season Thursday night game against the Jaguars, which everybody was dying to watch, I'm sure, when Chris Strebler came in. Um, and and this year, I believe they have six 1 p.m. games. So, yeah, like that's that's the like the the most jarring aspect. Like they're going to be not only featured primetime, they're going to be like the featured game every Sunday uh, at 4 p.m. or whatever. So it's uh, it is definitely jarring and it's and it's interesting. And it's going to be interesting to see how they handle it. I, I, I imagine, you know, I mean, they, they only had the 1 p.m. games because they were the Jets and nobody really cared about them nationally before. But I imagine the players like the consistency of that schedule and they're not going to have it. It's going to be very all over the place. Although I, I think I saw something in terms of they have like one of the more favorable schedules in the league in terms of when the other teams get rest and when the Jets get rest like the other team. I think all of the games, all of their, their primetime games are like with the other team has less rest than they do or something like that. So they have like some advantages, I guess. But right. um, that's getting into the weeds. But yeah, I, I uh, it's it's. That that's a big factor here. They they historically haven't done great on primetime in recent years, whereas Rodgers has been very good on primetime. So it's going to be what what wins out here. Yeah. Well, in only one of those 14 1 p.m. games were they down 13 inside the two minute <laughs> warning and won the game. I, I went to Elias real quick while you were answering and I looked at one. <laughs> <laughs> that was a uh, man. I, that feels like ages and ages ago at this point. But it that's does. even like within the season, it felt like two different seasons. But that. That that was a that was a crazy game. That was, <laughs> I mean, I, I especially like all the all the factors and like Joe Flacco being their quarterback at the time, and mm-hmm. um, you know, it kind of set the tone for the start of the Jet season and probably for how the Brown season wound up going too. Yeah. Yeah, uh, historically insane, but real. That was the coming out party for Garrett Wilson, and I think a lot sure. of our listeners know how good he was because we saw yeah. him at Ohio State. But you know, I'm I'm just thinking that you know, obviously, there's many reasons the Jets make this trade for Rodgers, but you know, thinking they have a true number one and a true guy that can just take off has to be a part of that, right? Absolutely. You know, I, you know, I last year in training camp, you saw the flashes of Garrett's talent for sure. I I was. I didn't think it he would be as like a week two star. I thought it was going to be like over time once he, you know, went against NFL corners and got him better as a route runner. I thought eventually he'd get there, but he was there right away. And and you watch him in training camp. He looks like their best player. And th- this new coach, offensive coaching staff just raves about him and his ability to his spatial awareness is they, they, they say he has elite spatial awareness where he can, no matter where he is on the field or how, where he's being covered, like he can go up and get the ball and he knows how to adjust his body. Like, so that, that's why, Having Rodgers, a guy who, you know, the thing with Rodgers is whatever you think about where he is at in his career or whatever, like if if, if a guy is open, he's going to be able to get it to him. And mm-hmm. that was the problem last year with Zach Wilson. And Garrett was one of the most outspoken guys. One of your receivers obviously was uh, pretty outspoken. <laughs> oh, we're getting there. We're getting there with this conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and so I, I think even just like Garrett being able to run with the confidence that, all right, I don't need to worry about the quarterback. So I'm just going to do my job and get open and then, uh, you know, and he's able to improvise and things like that. Like him and Rogers getting on the same wavelength is is going to be special to watch. And I I keep saying this. I I think Garrett Wilson at the end of the season, as long as Rogers stays healthy, I think we're going to be talking about him as one of the like five or ten best receivers in the league. Yeah. I mean, one of the stunning things to me of the the twenty two draft, and again, I wasn't heavily into it because you know five weeks before it, the Browns made the trade and took themselves out of the first round, <laughs> right? But um, to me that, and this is no knock on Drake London. Mm. But to me, that any receiver would go before Garrett Wilson was like just staggering. I mean, it looks you know? crazy in retrospect too. You just he just like he looks, sounds, and runs like 
a star. Yeah. It, it's just like one of those. It was a like, star yeah, day yeah. one at Ohio State, yeah. like day it, one, eighteen it's years. Kind of like one. Of, it's not quite yeah. the same thing, but I I think about uh, DK Metcalf, like just how much of a physical freak he is, and you just like look at that guy, and and you know even just the way his hair is, and you're like, all right, that, there's no way that guy's not going to be good. Like, why would anybody pass on that guy? And <laughs> yeah. I I kind of feel that way with Garrett. Like you you just like talk to him, and you're like, man, this kid's a stud. Right. You just so, like he's really smart too, which is like an underrated part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, people knew him, you know, from right away and people had connected the dots. I mean, he went to the same high school as Baker Mayfield, you know, and um, it was like, okay, the Browns obviously need a receiver and they went a different direction in many ways uh, last off season, but the Jets got him. Now this off season, the Browns got Elijah Moore. They pursued him last season. Um, when he made his trade request, it didn't work out. I think they had eyed him all along. So we know there was bad quarterback play. We know there was that public blow up, right? Where, and he requested a trade. Um, you know, what, what else went into, um, the Jets moving on from Elijah Moore? Is it something you considered an inevitability, a surprise, or one of those things, like we said, that, that you meet in the middle on? Kind of in the middle. I, in the moment, I was pretty surprised by it. Um, you know, I got became less surprised. That there's all the talk about them going after Odell. So in my head, I'm like, all right, well, Elijah doesn't really fit here if they actually got Odell. But I didn't think the trade was going to happen like when it did, is what I would say. But yeah, you know, I, I think ultimately um, they believed in him talent-wise. But, you know, you know, when you're asking for a trade in the middle of a three-game winning streak, I don't know that you're going to win a lot of fans in the front office and the coaching staff when you do stuff like that. So um, I still think he, he was liked by a lot of guys in the locker room. I, I don't think he's a bad kid by any stretch. I think immaturity is an issue there, but um, you know, ultimately they didn't view him as a culture fit anymore. Uh, you know, I, I had my story in uh, I think it was January where it was kind of like the behind the scenes of what went wrong with Zach Wilson and, and Michael floor. And, and, and part of that was, you know, Elijah Moore was, you know, but one of the things was they, they basically instructed Zach Wilson to, if your first and second reads aren't there run. And so Elijah Moore, often wasn't the first or second read. So he was getting ignored and, and it pissed him mm-hmm. off. Um, and, and, and then it culminated in a, in a blow up where he cursed out Michael Ford. And, you know, I, I think Mike, him and Michael floor, I don't think that was like a marriage that was going to work necessarily. Cause the is like a brutally honest type guy. And I think Elijah thinks of himself as, you know, the best receiver that the jets had, even though the jets were pretty open about saying that Garrett Wilson was their best receiver. And, and so I, I think there was a, you know, there's a difference in opinion and how maybe good Elijah was between Elijah and the team. And, and ultimately, um, you know, he didn't produce last year. The quarterbacks are probably a big part of that, but ultimately that I don't, I don't think they wanted the energy that he brought last season in the locker room this year when they're trying to keep everything flowing in the same direction and they're trying to win a Super Bowl. And, and I, I think they viewed, you know, they saw McCall Hardman. Uh, they, they were really high on him, explosive, talented uh, receiver. And so they thought they could trade Elijah, use that pick uh, to make the Rodgers trade happen. And, and then, you know, they went and got Alan Lazard and they feel good about their receivers and they didn't feel like they needed Elijah more in the room anymore. Right. It does seem like the pieces fit for both teams when you take into account the pick they needed. You know, they wanted to move on, yeah. but it also feels like they're all in and this is the guy they got rid of. Right. Yeah. So, and, so there should I, be some and, concern and I, with that. Yeah. And I, sh- I should say, like, the Jets deserve criticism for it, too. I mean, Elijah Moore, talented guy drafted him the second round and you traded him within a couple of years. Like that's it's from those two, I think it was 22. He was drafted in 21, mm-hmm. the 2020 and 2021 draft classes for the jets have been an absolute disaster. And I think this adds on to it and the jets can spin it however they want, but 
ultimately you gave up on a guy uh, after a couple of years and there's a good chance that he goes and has a pretty productive year with the Browns. So, right. Yeah, I mean, in the realm of what being a minicamp all star actually means, this guy was a minicamp all star. I mean, he, he was he was the king of he was the king of being a training camp star. I should say he always that's what I was asking. Yes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's part of the deal. And and then you hope that he uh, he showed flashes that as a rookie, and then he got hurt. Uh, so if he stays healthy, like the talent, like I said, is obviously there. And yeah. I imagine him and Deshaun Watson are going to get along pretty well. Right. Yeah. And one thing that I've said now, these guys are completely different players, completely different body types and at different stages of their career. But I've said, you know, with the Browns kind of looming on Hopkins, um, you know, very much outside, but still looking because of the personal connection and because of what they want their offense to be. You know, I've said if you don't get him, it's it's an even bigger bet on Elijah Moore. But the Browns have made a big bet on Elijah Moore, um, yeah. you know, and he looks good. And he should have every reason because he's extension eligible at the end of this year. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing you said that grabbed my attention is, you know, Zach Wilson was instructed to run. He wasn't one of those couple, first couple of reads a lot. Um, one of the attractions for the Browns is that they believe Deshaun is at his best when he does improvise. And they didn't think they had guys explosive enough to realize the first read wasn't there or to realize that the play was going to shift a certain way. And they think Elijah will just eat on catching, you know, an improvised quick one and, and taking off. Um, you've seen the skill set. You that That's probably, you know, again, we're on digital paper here. Um, that, that seems to be a fit though, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think one thing that frustrated Jets fans before they turned on Elijah a little bit um, is that the Jets, would use uh, Braxton Berrios on like end arounds and and like gadget plays when they everybody thought that they should have used Elijah Moore on those because he's explosive, he's shifty, he's he's fast. So I I think that the Browns should be able to use him in a way that the Jets just for, for whatever reason just wouldn't do. And and uh, and yeah, you know he's when you got the ball in his hands, he can make things happen, and he he's pretty good at getting open. And and so if you have a quarterback that can get him the ball. Um, you know, if he, I don't know how much he wants the ball, you know, he thinks of himself as like a number one receiver in the league. And, um, and I, and I, there's a lot of factors that contribute to his annoyance mm-hmm. with that, but yeah, he, he, the talent is absolutely there. Like I've never questioned that part of yeah. it. So is the self-esteem. So we'll see, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, the self-belief. Yeah. yeah, no, I, like I said, I, from, I'm very careful, um, to not get too excited or even too down about what you see in a mini camp, right. Totally, yeah. From what, the Browns have framed it, what they want to be and what they thought they were missing. Um, it does seem like they targeted this guy and and they have a specific role in mind, roles. So it it does seem like he can be a fit. And for you fantasy nerds listening, like because of what he's done, he's going to be available, right? And I think the Browns are going to force him touches and let him create. So I think it's going to be real interesting. We'll revisit that through the summer. Um, just a few more things here, Zach. You know, as far as hype and, and the national games and all of that, much care does go into these things. And I think the league saying at the very end of the year, the last Thursday night game of the season, Jets at Browns, right? Like, I think they're saying that we expect this to be a big one. So do you expect this to be um, the kind of high stakes game potentially for both teams that, that, um, you know, on December 28th, that, that the league is at least saying there's a chance it can be. Well, I'm I'm selfishly excited because that means I don't gotta work on like New Year's Eve or whatever. So, Amen. Really, I, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I uh, I think it will be. You know, I you know, I think both teams on paper should be a lot better than they were last year, and they should be in contention for whether it's the playoffs or division when when we get to that late point in the season. So yeah, I think 
that game could be a swing game for for both teams and and could be a difference uh at the end of the year when the standings get tight and the AFC is is loaded this year as as it ever as it has ever been so um yeah I, I think that that'll be a fun game and I and I think it's going to matter for sure right the NFL is totally unpredictable um you know half the league's playoff teams get turned over every year yeah. um there's always a team that just flops for reasons, not just one. There's always a team that loses somebody. So I'm not saying the Browns or the Jets are that team. But even if that happens, like the competition for seven AFC's playoff spots is is right. unreal. It's unreal. Um, and I think you've kind of already answered this, but we don't know how this goes. But I don't think it's hyperbole at all to say like both of these teams are all into the point that people are getting fired if they don't make the playoffs, right? And like the winning window is is right now. It doesn't have to be week one or week three specifically. But like if these teams aren't going upwards in November and December and at least playing for something, like they're going to be different next year, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Jets have an impatient owner anyway, um, with Johnson. Um, and... You know the the Jets. I think they even because because of the amount of money and and draft picks and all that stuff they had to trade to get Rodgers. I think it wasn't like a, you know, they went to the owner and said, "Can we get him?" And he said yes right away. I think they, it took some convincing and it took some convincing of Woody at the end of last season that look, we got a quarterback, we're going to be in the mix. And they've been talking publicly, like I said, about making a Super Bowl and all that stuff. So I, I think everybody in the building knows, um, if they miss the playoffs in particular, like. You know, head coach is gone. I think you could argue GM is gone. I'm not 100% sure on that, yeah. uh, but I feel pretty good about the coach. Uh, and then if they make the playoffs and lose the first game in the playoffs, like, I don't know how that's going to, you know, go over. So I think there's pretty high expectations. It's, gonna, it's a it's a high bar they've got to clear, but, uh, you know, I, I think they have the talent to do it and they have the quarterback now. So it's uh, the ability to do it is there. But if they if they jets it up, then, then there's going to be another new regime in here. How long is the playoff drought now? It's uh, 12 years, I want to say. Is it the longest now that the Browns? It's the longest in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, it's tied yeah. with the Sabres, I believe, in the NHL. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, a lot at stake. Um, Just one more. So when, when we left the 21 season, I knew the Browns were done with Baker Mayfield, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that it would be Deshaun Watson. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, no, no one knew, and I didn't think they'd actually do it. Right. And I didn't think that they were actually prepared to take it on. And we'll see how that goes. When the Jets left 22, did did you know it was Aaron Rodgers? Did they know it was Aaron Rodgers? Or is this something that, that needed those months to really come together? Oh, yeah. I, I don't think they knew. I, I think, you know, maybe once they hired Hackett, they thought they had a chance. Um, but yeah, I don't think you ended the season and you're like, all right, Aaron Rodgers is our next quarterback. So we're good. I think they had him on a list of guys that they were going to pursue. I think Derek Carr was pretty high on that list. I, I think there were some other guys that they, you know, I think Matthew Stafford is a guy they would have pursued actually in a trade uh, if it had come down to it. But one, once they got wind that like Rogers was a real possibility, that was their number one priority. They, they, they spoke with Carr and they, you know, they kind of played that game a little bit, but they made it clear they were waiting on Aaron. So I, they put all their chips in that basket and it paid off whether it works out, it works out, but they, they, they pulled it off. And I think that was commendable for sure. Yeah. Um, the headlines say there's angst about hard knocks. Is, is there really? And did they yeah. expect any other outcome based on what they've done? I don't know if there's angst, but I just think they just don't want all of that. You know, I, I don't know. I, it, it, I think the NFL has taken so long to announce. I think they usually announce it by now. And it probably sure, yeah, how other sure. teams that are eligible don't want to do it. So and I think they usually don't, they usually prefer to do it with team. Like they don't like the, 
I think historically teams that have been on it weren't like didn't like reject the idea kind of thing. And so mm-hmm. they're they're probably battling with that and and the fact that Washington's the one team that's willing and they have that ownership thing going on. But yeah, um yeah, I I don't know. I they're probably making a too big of a deal about it. I I don't even feel like hard knock shows as much as it used to anyway. Um so I, I think uh they're oh, it's a little overblown. For for our sake it's entertaining and it's more to see and stuff that you don't get um in a normal coverage. So I I don't know. I, they'll be fine if it happens, but I I, I guess I kind of get why they don't want it because you have Aaron Rodgers, you have all this attention on you. They don't want more attention and more hype and more distractions and all that yeah. stuff. But well, Zach, I don't know exactly when folks will hear this, but uh, we're six weeks from Canton, so it's coming. Can't wait. <laughs> He's Zach Rosenblatt, uh, my beat partner. He's on the Jets, uh, my longtime compadre, and we will see each other in Canton. Um, in early August, and then again in Cleveland on December 28th. So you guys listening, thank you. As always, uh, subscribe to The Athletic if you haven't. Subscribe to this podcast. Share. Tell all your friends. Again, one or two others as we just kind of ease in and out of formal summer vacation, not expecting anything big or fancy from the Browns. And July 22nd is the date that they're on the field at Greenbrier. So thanks, Zach. Thanks to you guys. Enjoy that vacation and talk to you soon. (music) 